it's Lou Rosenfeld, and uh, you are listening to the Rosenfeld Review podcast. Today, my guest is Sarah Kettles of Airbnb. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing great, Lou. How are you? Doing great. I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, Sarah is one of a number of people that I'm starting to talk to uh, as part of the podcast series about the topic of design ops, design operations, and... Um, Here's my uh, my uh, my not so subtle uh, plan. Here is to um, basically uh, suck the knowledge out of uh, Sarah's brain and other people who know something about design ops, because Rosenfeld Media is putting on the first design ops summit in New York City, November sixth through eighth, and we are uh, really excited by that. We're putting the program together right now. We've got a venue, uh, really ramping up, uh, working with, uh, Kristen Skinner, Abby Covert, and Dave Maloof on the program and, uh, really excited by this topic, but it's a topic that, you know, frankly, I don't know that much about. Uh, I'm not inside a large organization doing the operations, uh, for design. Uh, and that's why I'm talking with people like Sarah. So Sarah, you do this work at Airbnb, uh, you come at it from a, a maybe a different background than some of the other people doing design ops work that I've spoken with. Uh, your background's in user research. It is, yeah. I actually started my career on Facebook's research operations team, um, doing participant recruiting, and then uh, moved over to Airbnb to start uh, more of a program management function within research. Um, the team, when I started, was just 10 researchers and didn't have any real process, um, specifically around recruiting or any lab stuff. Um, having really good lab operations is really important to I think, a large organization doing a lot of research. Um, so that's what I started uh, building out for them when I started at Airbnb around two years ago. And I guess around this time last year, I was working with an intern uh, on the research team who's really interested in when wheelchair accessibility. And I was like, you know, that's a cool topic too. She was having a lot of really interesting findings come up. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of interest from leadership and they're like, oh, we should spin up a product team around this. Um, but we need somebody to just be on the ground, you know, running operations for that team. And um, the director of research was like, well, I think Sarah could donate some time to that. And just started working with accessibility in, last summer and, that was my first product team experience moving out from just discipline-specific operations. And uh, that's what got me rolling down this path towards design program management which and design ops, which I, I switched over full-time to at the beginning of this year. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You, you, you start off in user research, and at Facebook you found yourself, I don't know if this was from the very start or pretty quickly in, uh, doing some operations work. Uh, uh, it'd be nice to get a sense of not only what the nature of research ops work is, not the CIA variety, but the user research variety, but also why you? Why did you get pulled in that direction? Was there? Would you rather be supporting the work uh, more than doing it, or were you doing both? I was definitely supporting, and I think, I mean, I, that was my first um, job out of college. I came out of the University of Texas uh, doing a research project on um, people uh, who are more predisposed to develop social anxiety over the course of their lifetime and, and whether or not they communicated differently on Facebook. And the graduate student I worked for who owned that project um, ended up getting an internship at Facebook, which turned into a full-time offer. And when that happened, I 
she put me in for a role on the research operations team. So I was really starting my career um, and I didn't know if I wanted a career in research. Um, so I sort of stayed on the operations side. Um, I like operations, especially at a company like Facebook and even Airbnb, you sort of get this bird's eye view of all of the cool projects going on mm -hmm. at the company. And I loved that piece specifically. Um, it was also a really cool opportunity for me to build some technical skills on my own. I learned how to use SQL um, and taught myself that. And I, I don't think I could have done that if I was on the grounds doing research there. So that's sort of why I stayed on the operations side. So um, the, the work itself, I'm, I'm guessing based on seeing some of the research ops work going on at places like uh, WeWork and, and NASDAQ, uh, certainly a lot of work around um, uh, managing uh, uh, subject pools. Um, I, I gotta imagine there's a lot around uh, managing uh, evidence in some form or another, whether it's full studies or, or just single observations that are put together in a database. Uh, am I on the right track or were you doing something very different? Yeah, that is pretty much exactly what I was doing. Um, I think one of my biggest projects was just trying to build out a CRM-like tool that helped us track research participants across all projects. And, you know, as you as you have people participating in different research studies, you learn a lot about them. And it's like that information can get lost very quickly if you're not keeping track of it somehow. Um, specifically on research operations side, I worked with a lot of like the ads research that was going on at Facebook and um, keeping track of our small businesses that we spoke to, um, even large businesses too. And it can, that can be a very intimidating environment because when you work with advertisers, it's like you often want one point of contact, but I don't know, Coca-Cola has hundreds of people who work on their ads pro projects and um, products. So uh, it, it was like definitely a big task. I think the other part of it, especially, um, with research is how do how do you do effective international research mm -hmm. um, and helping to sort of guide that, um, make sure that you're recruiting high quality people, even when there's like cultural or language barriers there. There's a lot of that work. So, um, uh, so that's mostly subject related. Was there a lot uh, in terms of managing the actual results of the research? Sometimes I worked primarily on the the sort of product side with that. So a lot of the work that I managed specifically with the findings was um, sharing them out to the larger team. So I would, I like hosted these empathy trips and we would travel from Menlo Park to Austin with a team of engineers and get them to sit in front of real small, medium business owners and like understand the pain points that they were having using our ad products. Um, and getting them to take those findings back and actually implement them. I think that's sort of like one of the hardest barriers to to cross with research is now that you've got these great findings, are you going to use them? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You, it sounds like um, uh, a different aspect of your approach there uh, compared to what I've seen uh, with some other organizations was not just the, you know, the, the management of the, and curation of the database of, of results, but getting other people to actually take advantage of those results. So you, you talked about engineers and taking them out and uh, actually bringing them into uh, at least uh, the research observation process. That sounds pretty interesting. Was that, uh, a, did, did you do that with other groups uh, beyond research, uh, beyond engineers? We would bring other key stakeholders or key members of the product team. Um, but 
engineers were our main focus. Um, they were often, especially on the ads products at Facebook, they were often the most disengaged from how the actual product works because, you know, it's, it's easy to know how Facebook works when you're just the average Joe, you know, posting on newsfeed, but not everybody uses ad products every day. So how do you operationalize uh, engagement of stakeholders uh, like those folks? Did you set up some processes or systems that were repeated on a regular basis to, to, to basically every time you were doing a, a new field study, uh, we're going to make sure we, we, we uh, get in touch with five engineers who've not been part of this process before and, and bring them in? Was it that sort of systematized? Yeah, it was pretty systematized. And of course, we had a budget, so we couldn't bring every engineer out from the product team. Um, but yeah, we would try to engage people who hadn't gone before. We also um, got them really bought into the research process right up front. So presenting them with the plan and in conjunction with the researcher, of course, and getting any feedback on direction. Uh, something that I started towards the end of my tenure at Facebook was uh, these sort of meeting before the meeting type of things where we would have engineers sit in a room with us and actually use the product and, and just get their experiences and get them sort of in the mindset mm -hmm. of it. Um, I've done that quite a bit here with accessibility stuff too at Airbnb because um, accessibility is I think even harder than ads products because a lot of everybody here working on accessibility is, is fully abled. And so none of us have used a screen reader before or know what it's like to be a blind person trying to navigate an app using voiceover um, and having those types of experiences where you can engage engineers um, and other key members of the product team um, in these real-life perspective-gaining experiences, I think is really important to getting people to buy into research and then buy into implementing findings after the fact. So would you, uh, this is totally unfair, but uh, would you be able to hazard uh, some metrics or at least specific goals to know whether or not your research operations are succeeding? I don't think I ever had any metrics. And for us, it was really about engagement and implementation. I think implementation was the most important, but it's a very manual process. Um, and it's hard to scale, which is why I think it's important that program management and these operation functions scale with organizations rather than sort of being people that just try to take on more and more and more over time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't think we had any scalable metrics. That would be something that would be much appreciated though. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is why I, I want us to have a conference on it because there are, there are a lot of questions and I'm not sure people have come together yet to really have deep conversations about them. Uh, so uh, I hope we'll be able to make some sense of, of some of these questions and maybe even start looking at uh, developing uh, good common framings and, and, and shared vocabulary to have these types of conversations. That's That's sort of step one when it comes mm -hmm. to thinking about a new area like design ops. Now, back to design ops, you, uh, you know, move into this broader role uh, around uh, design program management, uh, beyond research management uh, at Airbnb. And are you finding that, you know, having a background in user research is giving you any kind of superpower as you, you move into this new role? I mean, I, I assume you're doing more than uh, just the, the, the research uh, management, you're actually doing maybe design systems management, being a researcher. Um, have you gone about that? Yeah, I think it has given me, I would say, a more comprehensive perspective about design operations here. Um, I think it's really easy to sort of get in your bubble with your one discipline, whether that be you're a content strategist or you're an engineer or you're a designer. And it's it's hard to think about how can I best collaborate with my 
partners on a team. Um, so that's something I've been working really hard with my two teams to incorporate is um, we've got we, we've got a, a fairly basic structure in place, but a lot of the conversations around prioritization or even planning on the team don't involve research or content strategy right up front. And we're sort of, you know, two months into a quarterly plan being like, oh, God, like, <laughs> how are we going to fit in? We need to know about this before we make decisions or we really need content help. Um, but we, and we've failed to plan for that up front. And I think I've, I've brought a fairly comprehensive perspective about all of the creative needs that a product team needs and, and how to build those in more up front if we can. Are you finding that, um, like the actual practice of, uh, design ops is maturing now that you've been in a couple organizations that are working on it? Do you, do you see, I mean, you've been at this for what, about four years, five years now, mm -hmm. um, has it changed much? Do you feel like we're at sort of square one or um, are you starting to see patterns that suggest maturation in terms of what design ops is and what those people do? Yeah, I think we're getting there. I would say we're at square two right now mm -hmm. um, where I th there's more of an appreciation for this type of role. That, um, I think it's becoming clear, not maybe industry-wide, but at least at Airbnb, it's clear what a a design program manager can add to a product team and there's value there that that people want especially as a team is growing but i think that there's there's still a lot more to do um our organization in particular has been fairly allergic to process as we've scaled and we're just now getting to a place where it's just not feasible to willy-nilly create stuff and the program management has really started to thrive in the last six months here um, because people are asking for more help in, in organizing and planning and resourcing specifically. So uh, this is kind of meta, but what, what are the operations supporting design operations people there? Uh, you're just building that out right now. How, how are you structured and organized and uh, what does it look like? Where does it report? Yeah, design program management reports up into design operations, and there's a few other teams even within design operations. We have production design, which is supporting a lot of our brand and marketing projects, but also taking you know final designs and, and facilitating that handoff with our development teams and really making them pixel perfect before they launch. Um, and then we have some design technologists, I think they're called, and uh, they're building out tools for us just internally we have you know we're building out a design language system that makes that you know gives us a a component of parts to build a seamless airbnb experience no matter what flow or what part of the the platform you're touching at any given time mm -hmm. um also building out file sharing systems like this really nitty-gritty stuff um on the back end that makes it easier for people to be a designer or be a program manager or be a researcher and I think that's sort of a wall that we're hitting right now. And that's why design ops is becoming so important is the further and further away you get from being an expert in your actual craft and the more bureaucracy and just extra things you have to manage outside of your craft, um, the harder it becomes to do really great work. And, and that's the whole like role of design ops is to make it easier to be an expert at design or an expert at research, an expert at content strategy. I, lo I love the way you frame that. Um, do you see any role for people to be, or, or any, any deep, well, let me put it to you this way. Should design ops also be supporting people who are not designers? So not just taking designers and, and making them more powerful and helping them focus on the really tough problems. But what about the people who 
find themselves doing some form of design-related task. They may be in a customer service uh, operation. They may be admin people. They may be HR people. They're not designers, but in one way or another, they're, they're starting to do design. Do you support them? Is that the role of design ops as well? That is not the role of design ops here right now. I think that absolutely we should support those people at, at the very bare minimum, providing the tools um, and templates that they need to do great work by themselves. But right now, our focus is just scaling to meet the needs of all of our product teams. Got it. Well, let me ask you one last question. And uh, again, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I hope it's not too challenging, but I'm going to ask you to put yourself in my shoes for a moment. And uh, well, you're a user researcher. That won't be a problem. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're putting together a program uh, for the very first Design Ops Conference. What what kind of topics should we cover? What's really important right now? What should we deliver? I think understanding, you know, that's really interesting. I, I feel like San Francisco specifically and, you know, Silicon Valley market is in this bubble where um, we're very mature as a, as a market in terms of appreciating really good creative work as part of the product process. But I have a feeling that that is not the case in many other major markets in the U.S. And I think my dream would be to learn what it's like to work at a company where you have to try really hard to get your leadership to understand the importance of great design and great research um, and find out how we can support each other building out you know, systems and, and templates for inserting great design and great foundation for design in, in companies that don't, that don't have that or have to fight very hard for that. So you may be working in a setting that's a few years ahead, and uh, if I understand you right, you're talking about uh, supporting people who are trying to do this type of work in settings that aren't as far along. What would you do? what would be, if not your conference program, what would be the basics of a curriculum if you were going to teach them? I think the basics, the basis for my curriculum would be just going through the product life cycle. Um, I think that's often like a very misunderstood thing. And it's, and it's the basis for creating great process and great foundation for building excellent experiences for people. Um, so I would like to go through the product life cycle from the explore phase, as we call it, all the way through the analyze phase and say, this is, this is how you can insert design and this is how you can insert process to facilitate great design um, even at a company that is um, sort of edge heavier or maybe f- favors engineering mm-hmm. over the creative process. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I now uh, have you um, recorded so I can go back and take notes as we work on the program for uh, the Design Ops Summit, which I'll put in one last plug for. It's going to happen November 6th through 8th in New York City. If you go to designopsummit.com, at this point we have a landing page and you can sign up for a mailing list to find out when we have more to offer, like a program and a way to register. And I hope, uh, Sarah, you might be able to join us in one way or another. Uh, and uh, regardless, it's been great to have you on the show today. Sarah Kettles, a design program manager at Airbnb, talking about design ops. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. And I will say I've already signed up for that mailing list, so I'm eagerly awaiting sign-up link. Awesome. For the conference. <laughs> All right. Take care, Sarah. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.